Seder and prepare for Pesach, uh, we felt it would be uh, nice to come together with our beloved school leaders to just talk about the best ways to engage our children at the Seder. Um, of course, we're going to start with Rabbi Michelle. Hi, Rabbi. Hello, Ms. Kletetic. Nice to be with you. Thank you for joining our podcast. Thanks for jo- Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> um, so, Rabbi, what do you when we go to the Seder when we think about it? What What's the most important focus for parents or, or best goal they could have for their children at the Seder? Start with a big question. Big question. Great question. I love the question. Um, clearly, transmitting our Misora is the most powerful element of the Seder night. The more important question is not that goal, but really how we accomplish that. I want to speak for a minute about that. And I'll do that in the context of an insight from the Gomri Vilna. The question is asked, you know, we have the four sons, the Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam, and the She'enu Yodei the Chacham, the wise son. And the question that the wise son asks is, what are all these statutes, what are all these laws for? And the answer given is the most perplexing answer. Supposed to teach him the laws of Pesach, you're not permitted after the after the Karban Pesach you're not permitted to have anything, any dessert of any sort. Today, of course, we don't have the Paschal lamb sacrifice. We don't have the carbon Pesach. And instead, the Afikoman represents that sacrifice, that carbon. And therefore, we're not permitted to eat anything after the Afikoman. It's a very nice idea, but it doesn't really explain how, the, it doesn't answer the question of the, of the wise son. And so Harav, the Gon Mivilna, Gon Rabbeinu Elio Mivilna explains beautiful insight. And Rav Nevensal also picks up on this theme. They say the following. The real question that the Chacham is asking, that the wise son is asking is, why is it that we do all of this learning, all of this preparation, all of this work just to lead up to two sedarim. In Israel, only one Seder. All of this work leading up to just one or two nights, it seemed disproportionate. That's the Chacham's question. Why do we do all this for this night? And the answer is, says the Gaon Mivilna, a maftirin achar ha-pesach That never forget that the carbon Pesach was the last thing that was eaten so that the taste of the carbon Pesach would linger. It wouldn't just be for that night, but it would stay with the person that ate it and have an impact on that person beyond that night. And that's really the significance of all of the work and all the learning and all the preparation and all the investment that we make into these starring is not for those nights. Yes, those nights are, are magic and they're, they're, they're amazing and we get such nachat from our children. But the real important piece here is what's the takeaway? What stays with our children? What stays with us after Pesach? 
And if we're successful in reenacting Yitziat Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, properly that night, then it is a transformational night. It has such an impact upon us. You know that we, um, one of the focal points in the Haggadah is Chayev Adam Lirot et Atzmo Ki'iluhu Yatsami Mitzrayim. That a person has an obligation to see himself as if he left Mitzrayim that night. That's a very difficult thing to do. And the Rambam, Maimonides, has a different format, a different atzmo. A person has to demonstrate to himself that he, in fact, left Mitzrayim that night. And that's why we make the night an interactive night, an experiential night. We don't just say the words. We don't just talk the talk. But we actually experience Yitziat Mitzrayim going from enslavement, from slavery to freedom. And the more that we can capture that, the more that we can make that come to life for our precious children, that will have the lasting effect. That will transform our children. That ultimately will transmit our Mesorah to the next generation. That's very, very powerful. And I, I think it's an important message. You know, parents are teachers, and I think teachers are sometimes parents. And Seder night, I think, illuminates the, the role of the parent as a teacher more than anything else. And what an insight from the Gra that sometimes we have to look at our children and not just hear the question they're asking, but understand the, the deeper question that they're asking. So I think for all of us as educators and parents, I think that that is just a profound message um, to go into Pesach with and, and the multi-generational message. I'm, when we think about, you know, the lasting Pesach, it's not just through the year. I mean, anytime we sit at the Seder, we think about our Seder growing up. I don't know, Rabbi, if you want to share anything about your Seder growing up, anything, any special, when you think about it, what, what comes to mind? You, we, you know, when you have your Seder and you're, you're thinking about your childhood and you had grandparents around and what they went through, in particular, my grandfather, who was who escaped before the Shoah and came to America, but but struggled to stay religious. He was a glacier, very difficult manual labor. He lost his job every Friday because he told his boss he couldn't come in on Shabbat. And the life that he lived and the sacrifices he made. You think about what that what he brought to the table, literally, and what and the impact it made upon us as children, as his grandchildren. Those are some of the memories that are so, so, so precious. And they really connect us to previous generations and inspire us to want to contribute and touch and reach the future generations to make sure that that chain is never broken. But no doubt, you know, the, the single most Jewish thing that people do is the Pesach Seder. And, um, People come to the Seder and people have Sdarim, regardless of their affiliation, regardless of their level of observance, but they feel a connection. And the Seder is something that has the capacity, the magical capacity to engage people and involve people, even if they haven't been involved before. And so for all of us, it's an opportunity to recommit, to rededicate ourselves this Pesach 
and it Hashem to be stronger ourselves and to be able to give so much more to our children. Thank you, Rabbi. We are going to have the opportunity to hear from um, other school leaders about engaging children of various ages and um, hopefully keeping in mind what Rabbi Michelle just said and make sure also that, that, the, that the memories that we're creating with our families as stressful as preparing for Pestle can be are, are ones that are, are, are positive and, um, and warm. Thank I you. Look forward. I look forward to hearing from our other school leaders. I, uh, we have a lot to learn from them. It should be great. Thank you, Ms. Kopenik, for the opportunity. Thank you, Rabbi. Per Rabbi Michelle's uh, introduction to this podcast, um, that the memories that we create at the Seder um, should last the entire year. Um, I remember sitting at my Seder as a little girl. I always sat next to my grandfather. And um, Pesach, uh, for me, is sitting next to my grandfather and hearing um, not just about the exodus from Egypt, but the exodus from Russia. I know I've shared it in our school community before, uh, but the second night of Pesach um, in our home was always dedicated to the story of the exodus from Russia. And I remember sitting as a little girl next to my grandfather. Of course, we ate borscht that night um, in honor of the Russian cuisine. Um, and, and just listening to the stories of what his world was like and his life was like um, has impacted not just for the year for me, but for my entire lifetime, I've taken I've taken those memories with me. Um, we're fortunate to have our um, educational leadership team here with us. We have Mara Vivian. Hi. Mara Sarah, who is Mrs. Duwani now. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and Rabbi Aaron Feld. Um, just like you wouldn't plan for the Yom Tov without um, a grocery list, and you wouldn't make you wouldn't miss going to buy matzah or going to buy wine. Um, we wouldn't want to walk into the Seder unprepared for, I guess, the most important part of the evening, which is engaging our children. And um, I do appreciate everyone giving us a few minutes. I know how busy it is this time of year, um, but I appreciate everyone's time uh, to help our school community and, and maybe give parents some pointers about, you know, how to engage the children. Everyone on this Zoom knows what they've been doing in their classrooms and, you know, the best way uh, to involve them. And I'd love to start with our, our youngest group, Mar Vivian. What, what gems do you have uh, to help uh, our parents? So I'm going to say that the most important thing for young children is hands-on experiences. Um, anything that we can give children where they actually are physically engaged in the Seder is going to make memories. Children are really the heroes of the night. They are the central figures at our Seder. And one of the things that I love to do with my own grandchildren is to have a treasure hunt. I gather coins. You can get them on Amazon, headbands, necklaces, bracelets, all kinds of very inexpensive things. And I scatter them around the house. And I um, invite the children to pretend that they are looking for those things during Makat Choshech. We know that they went into the Mitzri houses during Choshech and they didn't take those things, but they looked where they were. And so the children look around the house, but I don't invite them yet to take them until we leave Mitzrayim. And when it's time to leave Mitzrayim, we actually put a bag on our back 
Or Vivian's holding up a bag. I know that this is an audio, but I want everyone to close their eyes and imagine Marvivian is wearing a bag right now. Go on. And we walk out of Mitzrayim, but before we leave, we ask Paro for all the gold and silver in Mitzrayim. And the Mitzrayim tell us they have none. And we remind them, oh, yes, we know where they are. And at that point, the children are invited to go on a scavenger hunt. And in very few minutes, and I'll time them, run around and gather all of those coins. I give everybody a little shopping bag and they gather up the coins, the necklaces, the headbands, the bracelets, and as quickly as they can. And there is total glee and excitement as they're doing this. And then we march out of Mitzrayim with each of our goodies um, until we come to Yamsuf. And here again, I'm holding up a blue tablecloth that I've cut in half very inexpensive, and um, or you could even make it out of construction paper that you lay down on the floor, and the children walk through Yamsuf, and they actually are doing that themselves. One other very important thing that I love to do with my grandchildren is to have them build pyramids. And again, good old Amazon, I buy colored cups, because then afterward I can use it as a math activity when it's cleanup time, and they build um, pyramids with these heavy-duty cups, and they stack them, and then they break them because the Mitzrim are making them work harder. I have half of the grandchildren being Mitzrim and half of them being slaves, and they have to build it up, and it gets knocked down, and they build it up, and it gets knocked down. And then when it's cleanup time, I organize the cups by color, and they, that also occupies the children, and they love every single minute of it. One other very important. Vivian, can I ask you just a question? And I, I would you recommend having the children put out the the tablecloth, or would you recommend having it being like a delightful surprise? Like how? Would you absolutely a delightful surprise. I keep a whole bag of props, puppets, and masks, and costumes. And at various points, when children start to lose it at the seder, that's when I'll pull out. Delightful surprises. Thank you, Ms. Klotenik. Well, I think and in the Gemara, they have like something with nuts. And I guess this will be the modern day version of surprises that are exciting. I mean, I guess we've come a far way to iPhones from nuts, but. <laughs> One other thing I just wanted to mention is the importance of music. Hmm. Music is the, the most wonderful thing to engage young children and even older children. My parents, when they're at the Seder, they sing along with the children. Um, and, and, you know, the songs that they learn in school are songs that they sing again and again and again. And they're actually physical activities that go with the songs. And, and those are all part of, our, of, of the children's collective memory. Um, one of my favorite things is the fact that my father, at, at, at the end of the Seder, um, when we're up to Chagadia, he he actually recites Gadya in German, and that is, you know, a memory the kids wait for. Is it time for Upa to say the Gadya? And wow. and they and they can't wait till that part of the seder, and it also keeps them awake. So anything you can do to engage the children throughout the evening um, is really going to be wonderful and help them to really enjoy the seder. What a um, remarkable intergenerational. Um, Seder, an opportunity for your for your children, grandchildren. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. Moving on to our elementary school age children. Hi, everyone. Mrs. Duana here. So I think that Moravivian just laid the foundation of where it all starts. And when I think about how to prepare for the Pesach Seder, I go back to what is the goal? What is the objective? And always we go back to the sources of the Torah. And the Torah tells us, you will tell your child. And when the Torah speaks about this holiday, it's the only holiday that is phrased in a question. The kids will ask, and that is our goal. We want children to ask. And we, as we know, as educators, asking is really the highest form of understanding and intelligence as opposed to just repetition of knowledge. And everything more of even described allows for the experiential learning that will cause and encourage students and, and children to ask questions. And I think that that's really the important thing. The text tells us about the Arba Avanim. And we have children in different stages of life. Some need more concrete questions and some we can really help them develop to asking thoughtful questions. So I wanna talk a little bit about some practical tools that you can encourage your kids to work on. Besides for the fact that we sort of need to occupy our kids those two days before, mm -hmm. they can use that time to really work together. One thing I love to do is have the kids prepare questions as place cards for each person. They write the person's name and the kids write a question inside each one. And the kids take an active role of leading the Seder. Every guest or every family member has their question. I encourage you to ask your children to find their question and answer sheet that they have from school, as well as to think of new questions that they don't have answers to. And they can engage others in questioning. I also always think about this time as the kids have so much experience from the um, early childhood about what happens. And in the elementary school, there's that progression of engaging within the text. They're now able to read. They're now able to understand the text. Mm -hmm. So how do we make that part of Magid interesting for them? Beautiful. So I love having the uh, bingo. We have bingo um, boards where you can each write words. The kids write words. What are the words that come up a lot in the Haggadah? It's great. And giving them out. And every time they hear that word, they cross, they, you know, put something on it. So I think that that's really a, a fun, fun idea. Ms. Hammond, if, if, uh, if parents... You know, sometimes I find parents might be a little afraid to ask for questions, like they might not know the answers. What what strategies, you know, would, can, can parents have just have open-ended questions? What do you recommend? So I think it's really a shift in mindset. It's not about the answers as much as it's about the questions. We want the kids to think, and we want them to maybe come up with some of their own answers. And for us to be able to say, I never thought of that question before. Let's look it up. So we're like celebrating the questions. Celebrating the questions is about that we want to foster curiosity and that connection of what happened to us then and how do I really feel like I am part of that, which is the goal of the Seder. Mm -hmm. And more Vivian used the cups. Why don't you break down those pyramids and ask kids how they felt and why and how must, ha must have the Jews felt? So embedding questions, modeling, and hopefully they'll get there as well. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I also like to ask when kids are being um, coming up with questions is what was your life like when you were a little child? What was your Seder like? And that that could be a question of a grandparent or um, putting yourself in another's shoes. What was it like when, 
you know, if, if you had to move, how did you feel? And if you had to leave Mitzrayim, what would you take with you? Those are things that, that kids could definitely come up with. Um, you know, for those who came from another land, you came to America yeah, from a different feel? land. How did it feel to be uprooted and have to start all over again? Practical, practical questions and, and, and things that, that others at the table could relate to. Really, and we could turn that around more, Vivian. We could turn that around to the kids and say, if we have to leave our house tomorrow and you right. have to take one backpack, what's going in that backpack? Mm -hmm. you know, and engaging them in that way. And I love what Ms. Kotenek and Ms. Duani were saying about open questions. Not every question has to have one right answer. Mm -hmm. There could be multiple answers. And I think allowing for that, allowing for different ideas and different answers and different creative thought processes to come out of the Seder is a way to engage everyone at the table. It's not a simple question that's going to have one correct answer. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their own perspective, their own take on what an experience might have been like or what feelings they might have had at that time or what jumps out at them about a specific story. And all of those answers could be correct. And therefore, everyone has a role and everyone has a piece to play. Mm -hmm. I love the celebration as, uh, the of the question for the night. Um, as for today's Dafyumi, uh, even if even if no one is with you at the Seder, if there's no children, if there's no one else there, you ask the question yourself. Ask the question to yourself. Um, so, Mrs. Duani, aside from having an inquiry-based Seder, is there is there any other any other pieces or memories you want to share from your own Seder as a kid? I think it has to be really alive, and the kids should lead it. Let them dress up in costumes. Um, I know as a kid, as kids, we did that. We had to, all the kids stepped outside of the dining room. We dressed up as though we were, you know, the Hebrews. And we would come in and we would be asked in Arabic, where did you come from? That's great. Where are you going? And I think that so much of our minhagim shine. And we should hold on to those minhagim because that's what helps foster the questions. And I think that that's really an important part. And to allow ourselves to let our kids take over. Ask them, what do you want to dress up at the Seder? Let's have a theme on the table. Create it. What pictures do you want to put up? Mm -hmm. um, and I think to have them take the lead and play an active role. And I think that, you know, that's the memory that I always have of stepping out there and till this day, trying to answer in Arabic. Um, How do you say it in Arabic? I... Well, stand corrected if I'm wrong, but Ninjitin, I think, is, you know, where are you coming from? And, and it's a dialogue mm -hmm. of trying to really connect to that. And that always sparks curiosity and questions when we when we do those things and, and we're alive. And I urge parents for really who have children in the elementary school grades to try to connect them to questioning through the text because they, they're learning the text. Mm -hmm. Have them read the Chavruta and prepare with their friends a paragraph of Magi that they'll read at the Seder and let them feel pride in the connection of the text with all the props and all the games that they're playing. Mm -hmm. And how profound, where you come from, where do you come from and where are you going? This whole night is about where are we going? And, and just to transition, no one asks that question more, where am I going than, than you know, adolescents. So let's hear a little bit about our, our middle schoolers. Rabbi Ehrenfeld, what, what advice do you have for parents with middle schoolers at the Seder? And I understand, you know, just going back to something that um, the social worker who I, who I had uh, as a guest on last, last week's podcast about having reasonable expectations, um, 
you know, the level of enthusiasm in the grades that Mar Vivian and Mrs. Duani are talking about um, might be a little bit different. And, and the parent role might be a little bit different in the middle school, uh, just in terms of getting them excited. So tell us, Rabbi Ehrenfeld, how should we how should we handle the middle schooler at the Seder? Um, I, I think that the if I can only give one piece of advice, it would really be the piece of advice that Ms. Botanic opened with, uh, which is you have, you have to prepare. If we just show up uh, in a week and a half at our Seder and expect things to run smoothly without dedicating at least some time, and I know there are so many pressures and so many things we're trying to do to get ready for Pesach, but if we don't prepare, it's hard to imagine that we're going to be able to run it effectively and engage not just our middle schoolers, but everyone. You know, most, thank God many of our Sidarim this year and in, in general have a range of ages, a range of generations. You know, some are some have larger sedarim, some have smaller sedarim, and so really thinking, being thoughtful, and planning is critical. I think particularly for the middle school age, there are a number of helpful resources, hagadot out there that I I recommend that I think uh, our children would have would uh, would enjoy engaging. The truth is, the first thing is our students are coming home with a tremendous amount of knowledge of the great Torah, of Haggadot that they've created in their classes. And that's true, I think, across the ages. And going back to making that the centerpiece, that shouldn't be something that we're going to fit in between this part of Maggid and that part of Maggid. Mm-hmm. That's centerpiece. Nice. The, the, the text of Maggid, that's just how we're going to get to the most important part, which is making our children the centerpiece and giving them the opportunity to share what they learned, to shine, as more Vivian said, to make them the heroes of the night. That's really the most critical part of, of the most important resource is the resource they're coming home with. Mm-hmm. Uh, our teachers also are sharing, you know, material that they've covered. So te- parents can use that to help prep themselves and prime themselves and maybe use those as prompts for their children. You know, they keep that sheet by their Haggadah. Oh, what'd you learn about this? Oh, I heard you learned about that. Or can you share with us what you learned about this? So prompting them in that will definitely be important. So you 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 would recommend that parents even take a look at the middle school Haggadah notes before just say, hey, what what part do you have a Devar Torah to kind of make sure to plug them in? Um, yes, but it should be more organic. It shouldn't be like, here's a note. Ask ask Natano what he what he learned <laughs> at that point. Right. right? Every, every I, I should be thinking every line I need to ask my, my kids what they learned. That's really the goal. We provide this to help parents know where the best places to ask those questions are. And Baruch Hashem, our students have learned so much. There are really a lot of opportunities to ask them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do see how the enthusiasm in the classrooms, yes, in all the grades. And you're right. To take that opportunity of the enthusiasm, enthusiasm they received and the knowledge and have them share that. I love going down the hall at this time of year and hearing Manishtana um, being sung. I'm wondering, Rabbi Ehrenfeld, I, I I don't know, and, and obviously this goes out to a question to everybody. Are there times where like a middle schooler might feel like asking Manishtana might be babyish? And and if the younger kid is gonna do it, let let them off the hook, would you let them off the hook? Or would you say no? Let's say in our let's say some people say everyone says it, then you have to say it. Like, what do you think? I think every family has to figure out what the right decision is. I, I definitely don't like, you know, sometimes middle schoolers and early teenagers don't necessarily feel very comfortable 
um, having that light shown on them and under that. And again, it's hard to, I don't want to generalize for everyone, but I, I think you may, you, there's a chance that you might kind of close off or push away a child right. by insisting on that. And you kind of lost them at Manishtana right at the beginning. Um, rather say, you know what, that's fine. This is something you don't want to do. I get it. You have a little brother, a little sister, or a little cousin who is doing it this year. You know, let's find that part of the Seder that you're going to, you know, that, that, that you're going to shine at, the, the part that you have something to share. So use that, use that to start a conversation. Use their hesitancy to start the conversation about where, where they do feel more comfortable. They don't feel that it's a quote unquote childish part of the Haggadah. It's a what about the younger kid who gets shy? You know, like I sometimes feel like the pressure on a six-year-old and then they're like, I don't want to. And then like, there's just like this grand disappointment. I don't know if more Vivian or, or Mrs. Duana, you have any ideas there? Well, I, I wouldn't push it. Uh, what I find sometimes with young children is they may not be ready to say Manishkana at the, at the quote unquote right time, but they'll pop up later and say, okay, I'm ready now. And you know, you have to go with it. You have to be, um, you are, you have to be flexible and just allow them when they're ready. And okay, if you don't want to do it today, maybe tomorrow night, maybe at lunch, it doesn't have to be at the exact time. Mrs. Juwani mentioned something that, that ties into middle school that I just wanted to mention. You know, those days before Yuntiv where we're, we want to amuse our children and keep them busy, there, there are two excellent games that middle schoolers can totally prepare for the rest of the family. Um, headbands and, and taboo. They can make cards, index cards with, with different words um, and put them on a headband and the rest of the family can guess what the word is. But if you engage those middle schoolers in that process, and taboo is that you have a word and some clues that you're not allowed to say, like, kind of like a 20 question type thing. Middle schoolers, if I, I find with, with middle schoolers, if they're invested, they're going to be exactly. enthusiastic. And that's a great project for before young kids. I want to touch on the point that more Vivian said of not pushing the kids. Right. I want to get you back to recognize that there's sometimes a lot of commotion. Yes. A lot of things going on at the Seder. Um, and kids might not feel comfortable to do things on the spot. So I think involving kids before the Seder and the preparation of the Seder helps them feel more ownership and having them engage in games such as headbands, as opposed to needing to be on the spot, reading for everyone, reading the Dvar Torah. If we can have a more collaborative effort sometimes of, you know, the child saying, I have bingo boards for all of you, or you know, I have headbands for all of you and collaboratively playing a game. I think that is really hitting it on the nail. There was one year that we, we flew out to my parents' house and one of my kids, like the big moment came, we practiced for it and he just didn't want to do it. He was so embarrassed and his, his sibling said, maybe we'll all sing it together. And they all stood up together holding hands and they sung it together. And sometimes taking that spotlight off the one child, even if the parent says, I'll sing it with you. You know, it doesn't have, you know, sometimes we imagine things are going to be some particular way. And then we already kind of put ourselves in a, in a corner where it's beautiful. Let the kids sing it with you. Let them sing it alone. Let them sing it with a sibling. Let them say one question and everyone sings the rest. I agree. The, the feelings that they're going to have that night are much more important than actually saying anything specific. But we, we left middle school. Rabbi, what else do you have for us? Um, I think there are really just a number of great resources that have been uh, 
put out there in the last couple of years, uh, both in terms of Haggadot and general resources. One of the things we focus on a lot in probably starting in elementary school, but certainly in middle school is text to self connections. And, you know, when you're studying one thing, how do I connect to that? Where do I fit into that story? And, you know, or where are my interests in this story? There are two Haggadot that have been put out in recent years, both by, by Rabbi Moshe Rosenberg. One is called the Hogwarts Haggadah, and one is called the Superhero Haggadah. Both areas of interest to many, many middle schoolers. I was just communicating with a parent this week who I noticed their, their daughter was reading a comic book. I said, just so you know, there's this new Haggadah. I was going to show it to them. And, you know, that's something where, wait a second, I thought the Haggadah is this old Hebrew book, but I see it connected to the novels I'm reading on my own, the Harry Potter, the movie I just watched. And creating those connections will certainly um, bring, bring the Haggadah and bring the Seder more alive. And it will be a, a very creative way to engage middle schoolers. Obviously, it's a little preparation. Not, not every parent is, uh, is fully up on their Harry Potter or necessarily uh, has seen all the, all the Spider-Man movies. But these are some resources that you can use to kind of further connect, not just connect with the, the, your, your middle school child, but to connect the Seder with you and them, to use that as the vehicle. Um, also, we have a lot of visual learners. I'm a very visual person. And there are some beautiful Haggadot that have come out recently. Gadi Pollock is a wonderful ar- artist and author. So there's a Haggadah called the, it's called the Cats Passover Haggadah. He has beautiful, beautiful drawings throughout the Haggadah. Wonderful opportunities to ask children, what do you notice in the Haggadah? What stands out? For people who want a deeper level, he actually references the sources in the back of the book to tell you the, the reason I drew this is because of what Rashi says here, because of this Gemara or this Midrash or this Patsuk. And a beautiful opportunity to ask everyone what jumps out about the way he drew Kriya Yamsu. Um, a more contemporary one is called the Passover Haggadah Graphic Novel. It's has the full text of the Haggadah in Hebrew and English. It's written like a comic book, also very creative drawings. So those are just opportunities for someone who's more artistic, more visual opportunities to engage everyone at the table, not just middle schoolers, but really everyone. Uh, the other thing that I think is important is activities. And we see from early childhood through elementary and through middle school and really beyond, you know, the activities might have to be different. Uh, but I think engaging students in active ways is so valuable. There's a, a wonderful resource that I purchased a few years ago. It's called Hakol Baseder. It's like a little kit, and it comes with a CD and a book, and it has something like 100, 150 activities. It breaks it up by age. It gives you all the, the pieces to print out, whether it's bingos, whether it's origami frogs, whether it's you know different puzzles, a whole bunch of activities. If you take the time and go through it, it really can, you'll find that there's some real gems that you can use to engage not just middle schoolers, there are middle school appropriate activities, but really all ages. And something that we're trying this year at, at my Seder, so I'll throw this one out there. I found this online. I don't take any credit for creating, but it's called uh, the Passover Breakout Box. And it's kind of like an escape the room type of activity. <laughs> I'm using it for the Afikomi. So I'm going to be taking my Afikomen, I'm going to be putting it in this box, and I'm going to be putting five locks on that box. And then I have five manila envelopes that I'm going to give to my children, and they're going to have to work through one by one. And each one contains a puzzle, and solving the puzzle will give them the, the combination that they need to open that lock. And the only way they could retrieve the Afikomen is by, is by solving all five puzzles. 
Um, there's what something happened to about, your stator, Rabbi. I mean, it's like fun. <laughs> there's something about brain teasers and puzzles that really engages. Certainly, I think middle schoolers really like that kind of challenge. You're not just kind of handing something to them. You're making them put in the effort, work for it. But at the same time, there's something fun and uh, interactive about it as well. So coming up with something like that or anything similar, if anyone is interested in the resource, I'm happy. Like I said, I didn't create it, but I'd be happy to share it with anyone who's interested. Excellent. What, what memories do you have, Rabbi, from your Seder growing up? You know, I, I, I really have so many of my childhood memories, but the truth is, is that they've really all been uh, over, overwritten and overridden by my recent memories of uh, the Siddharma I have with my own children. Oh, very nice. um, you know, and, and thinking of every time, you know, every activity, thinking of Erev Pesach last year in particular, you know, it was a COVID and the first time we're celebrating Pesach alone. And I know that I remember just that feeling that my wife and I had of how are we going to make this special? You know, it's something that's so difficult and so isolated. And so, you know, how are we going to make this special? And we went into like, Amazon mode, we're purchasing thing. We were on, on the more Vivian train, ordering tablecloths <laughs> and, and characters and pictures. And I still remember we spent like a day and a half just preparing the table. Wow. It wasn't for anyone else. It was just for us. And we had create Yamsuf and we had the characters walking through and everyone got to make their piece of it and make it their own. And that to me, that was uh, the opportunity to be creative in engaging, you know, turning a something that was very difficult, obviously, last year into something that was fun and engaging and something that, a memory that we're going to hold and take with us for, you know, Pesach for years to come. I uh, I think all of us will always remember last year's Seder. What a, what a beautiful way to make it so exciting. Um, we also grappled with that. My kids are a little older than yours, so they didn't, they weren't as into the, the Marvivian train in terms of the tablecloth, um, but I did, and uh, I understand, Rabbi, the organic piece. I think it's okay to have like planned spontaneity. Uh, We actually divided up the Haggadah and made um, each of the kids responsible to teach everybody the Seder about a different one. And they actually did like research and we did it like I gave it to them out in advance. I was like, you're responsible for this, you're responsible for that. And it ended up um, everybody felt responsible to teach all of us. So like they felt like it was their Seder too and they owned it. So I, really- I want to I wanna also mention just one other thought that popped into my brain. Um, the most important thing that we learned from COVID is flexibility. So if something doesn't work out on the first night, it doesn't mean it won't work out on the second night. And if you didn't get to something on the first night, doesn't mean we can't do it on the second night. Baruch Hashem and Chutz Laretz, we have two opportunities. And if we don't get to it either Seder, there are lunch meals. So, you know, parents shouldn't feel pressured that things have to go exactly in in order, so to speak. Mar Vivian, I am so glad that you circled back to that. Um, and it really connects, like I mentioned, to the podcast that we have with the social worker. You know, we're giving all these wonderful ideas out and a parent could be listening and say, well, wait a minute, I have a kid in kindergarten and second grade and in, and in sixth grade. How am I going to do all these different things? I think having an expectation that we're going to try our best and plan is very, very important. And then accepting that, you know, the night will go the way it will go. And and I think the advice from all of you, it seems, is that the feelings and enthusiasm is much more important than following particular scripts. I can just, you know, throw out another pointer at my parents' house growing up. um, Any Devar Torah that we had prepared that we didn't get to Seder night, it was like, like Mar Vivian said, 
at uh, Shabbat or in the last days, they, they assigned us, they're like, you're going to be lunch, um, you know, the last day of Pesach, and you're going to be the night, you know, the Yom Tov night. So there's other opportunities um, to share. Um, I thank all of you for coming. I know it's a very busy time of year. And uh, we wish all of our families a beautiful and meaningful Seder night that brings memories into the future, um, brings the just the remembering Yitzhak Mitzrayim and all the mitzvot into the, the coming year. Wishing all of you a Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach.